0: I'm with Dr. Bhaspati bharacharya We talked about Ayurveda in a broad sense. And I want to start zooming in on something very specific. Uh, so Bhaspati, uh, you know, Ayurvedic doctors say that your PVK balance has to be restored, which is true. Uh, the, 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 the Pitta, Vata, Kapha balance has to be restored. And once you've restored that balance, you don't need to do anything because in a balanced body, it will heal itself. So the idea that a balanced body is self healing uh is sort of a very central principle uh and therefore you if you can figure out what the imbalance is and just restore that balance back then uh, everything will be fine whereas western medicine says you actually have to go and intervene uh, either surgically or with a molecule that will go and fix this you attack the you attack the problem rather than uh, restore the body's balance and let it let it heal itself so what are your thoughts on this a uh, basic philosophical difference.
1: So what you're saying is very true that yes, when someone is in imbalanced state, if we can bring them back to balance with their Vata, Pitta, Kapha, then they are rebalanced. But it's like being at the top of a pinpoint of the top of the mountain. It's really hard to stay there. You'll come back down, you'll go back up. So you'll be trying to stay at that that meta space called balance. Ayurveda knows that when time passes and there are seasons, there are times of day, there are weathers that, you know, are difficult for you, that it's going to bring you out of balance. Ayurveda also knows that your judgments, which are maybe not as perfect as they could be because your mind is either distracted or you're thinking about something and miss something that happened in front of you. These things cause you to make decisions that can bring you out of balance. They can make your vata go very high because you didn't um, take care or see something you should have. And then there's this big thing we call food. Every time you ingest matter, which we'll say is food, a meal, you're bringing in vata, pitta and kapha. And if you bring in something that makes you very gassy or makes you feel acid reflux or makes you feel very tired, Or it's sugar that gives you a high and then you crash from it. Then that'll take you out of balance again. The people who are very resilient are the ones that go out of balance and come back into balance. And Ayurveda has a whole series of tricks, tools, and instruments to help people come back into balance. That is actually a big part of the foundational precepts of Ayurveda. So we say Ahara, Vihara, Oshadam. Ahara is food, but it's not just eating the food. It's the attitude, who you eat with, when you eat, where you eat. Any Indian that's grown up in village India knows from their grandparents that you're not supposed to eat in a windy space. You're not supposed to eat with a lot of visual um, chanchalatwa, which is this lack of calm around your visual field. You're not supposed to eat with unpleasant people, especially people who are angry. You're not supposed to eat with people who don't have clean hands and then we observe something called utchishta which is the idea of uh, juta or eto there are a lot of words for it in india there's absolutely no word for it in the west and it has to do with um cleanliness procedures around eating so all of that is ahara vihara is lifestyle and we can talk about that for a couple of hours when you sleep how you interact with people Everything that you would consider your lifestyle, what you wear, where you sleep, how you keep your home. And then there's Oshadham, which is the herbs. And most people focus only on herbs because they're trying to take Ayurveda and put it into a Western model. Western medicine or allopathic medicine looks at a disease that's usually organ based, although that's not always true. And then there is a one drug, one molecule, or one, oh, sorry, one drug, one organ law that's made by the FDA. Ayurveda can show you in, I'll give you an example, turmeric. Turmeric works on so many organs. Ayurveda says your entire body is together and is um, holistically integrated. So why do we see one drug as having only one organ effect so the ideas of oshadam or medicine in ayurveda is not just about a disease and a drug it's about your whole well-being of imbalance coming back to balance so between ahara vihara and oshadam you have all these different tools modern medicine really only uses drugs drugs some surgeries maybe a couple of interventions that are not quite surgeries, but basically the drugs are the backbone of the clinical trial, the gold standards, and what people think are quick fixes. It's not true that only modern medicine has emergency medicines uh, or, you know, quick acting drugs. And it's not true that Ayurveda is only preventive in India. In one of my home, I have a house in Udupi and one in Benares in my scooty, I carry a container of turmeric and I see a lot of motor vehicle accidents. The first thing I do is I pull over, I get my turmeric and I take it over to the person and if they have an injury, I tell them, do you want some turmeric? And they're so relieved because that turmeric is an anti-inflammatory. It's a hemostatic, which means it stops blood from oozing out. It's an antimicrobial. So if there was anything that would infect, it takes care of that. And it's this powerful, multimodal, multi-organ emergency drug. When I was injured at BHU, I went to the emergency room at the hospital and they couldn't find anything to stop the bleeding. Uh, It was on my leg. And I just said to them, could you bring some Haldi? And they said, Haldi, we want real drugs. I said, bring me Haldi. They used their drugs. They didn't work. Someone went and got Haldi and my blood clotted in seven minutes and I was fine. And the doctors were embarrassed because they are obviously all Indian there and they weren't using their own um, traditional remedies. So Ayurveda has a lot of solutions. And for some reason, they're not being, um, shall we say, touted or marketed. In a way that really represents the wide repertoire that Ayurveda has. So we have to ask ourselves: if we really want to heal, then why don't we have the tools of Ayurveda trained among the people that are supposed to be the healers, but make us sign a piece of paper that say they're giving us all of the options available? Modern medical doctors do not give all the options available.
0: So, uh, Bhaswati, this is very good, you've articulated very well that the PVK balance is very important in Ayurveda. But at the same time, there is acute care where if there's an emergency, there's an accident, you're not going to go to this guy who's bleeding and say, let's get your PVK balance, you're going to put healthy or something that will solve the problem. So, it means Ayurveda also has a, 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 a an approach which says in certain situations you bypass uh, creating the balance because it'll take too long you don't have that much time time is of the essence and so you go for a direct solution now uh, so therefore I want to ask you you know if, if, when typically a person goes to the doctor they will not say okay you, you have diabetes I'm going to give you a diabetes treatment or you have cardiac thing, I'll give you a cardiac treatment. They will say, let's find out what are your imbalances and cure those, which is wonderful because you're solving the root of the problem. But do you feel that just like Haldi is a kind of a uh, reductionist approach, if you will, uh, a positivist approach, if you will, it says, okay, here is one, one medicine, it's not one molecule, but it is one medicine for one solution where uh, if you have bleeding, it'll solve the problem. Do you feel that like that in the same way it's legitimate or do you feel it's not legitimate for Ayurvedic people to say here is a, a thing that you can buy for uh, you know diabetes and here is something that you buy for hypertension and for all these kind of diseases or do you support the other view which says this kind of a reductionist medicine is not in the spirit of Ayurvedic
1: the ancient wise men actually had these emergency treatments available for what are called aganturogas, um invasions from outside for example infections or injuries because you know there were wars at that time and people would get injured they had medicines it doesn't always have to start with the doshas that you have to just rebalance the doshas They have not only herbs to rebalance, but they can also use the doshas and in a very focused way say, we want to quickly rebalance the doshas. So there are a variety of different approaches depending on every possible situation that happened. I'll give you an example. If you have a sunburn, you have a lot of pitta overload. There's too much fire element that has come onto your body and your skin has gotten either burned or pink or at least sensitive. Ayurveda would say, go and get rose water and sprinkle it on your skin. So today, even today, you can go and buy rose water, put it in a spritzer and sprinkle it on your skin. They would say, go and drink coconut water because it will make you cool inside. And so people will go and drink tender coconut or coconut water. There are several solutions to bring the temperature down that are more emergency temperatures. Are they working with the doshas? They're keeping account of them, but they're really working with the emergency situation on the whole. It's a whole body approach. And they know that if your mind is not calm, you're gonna have more tension. We in modern medicine call that insulin, uh, sorry, adrenaline release, cortisol release, stress hormones. We say that in modern medicine. Ayurveda had a more holistic sense of that. And they said, you know, that person goes out of balance. We need to bring their mind into balance. Their mano vikriti, their imbalance of their mind needs to be brought back. So their mano bala. So we always say, if you see a person act after an accident, assess her manobala. If her mind is strong, we can do a lot more faster because I call it the internal chemist or the internal pharmacist. You have a pharmacist inside of you that can produce any and every chemical that you need. Modern medicine uh, focuses on finding an outside an exogenous version of that chemical and delivering it to you, either by mouth or through a syringe or somehow. Ayurveda focused on the internal pharmacist and said, Let's find a way to get your mind so strong that we have your pituitary or your hypothalamus or your thyroid or your adrenaline, uh, sorry, your adrenal gland release that chemical in the right amount, at the right time, in the right place, so that your body can re-establish that balance. That ability of your internal pharmacist to re-establish that balance, they didn't use biochemical terms, but they understood the physiology so well that they watched people that were given certain plants or certain remedies and how they came back to balance.
0: So the... Uh, You can deviate temporarily from the PVK balance and and intervene if there is an external emergency, whether it's sunlight or whether it's a wound or something of that sort. But let's say there's a problem which is not externally created you know uh, w- western medicine would say okay uh, let's give you something to lower your blood sugar or to solve your to control your blood sugar for diabetes or give you some cholesterol medicine so it's an ex- it's an intervention uh, not necessarily based on restoring balance but zapping the problem rather than uh, looking at the underlying cause
1: it's a symptom anti symptom so if you it's called yes. symptom anti symptom so if you Hypertensive, we give you an antihypertensive. If you're arrhythmic, means your heartbeat is irregular, we give you an antiarrhythmic. If you're diabetic, we give you an anti-diabetic. If you have a seizure, we give you an anti-seizure or an anti-epileptic drug. So every symptom has an anti to that. That is how modern medicine works. It's not that Ayurveda doesn't look at symptoms. Ayurveda certainly looks at the Lakshanas, the symptoms, the Rupas. And they do know which constellations will create certain diseases. But they also look at your mind and the role of your mind in creating those diseases. They look at the chronicity of the disease or the recurrence of the disease and the cycles through time space that it happens. And Ayurveda doesn't just look at... Um, quick fixes, as you said. They look at the underlying reason why that imbalance stayed as an imbalance. Why is it that the sleep and the exercise and the food and the daily routines that you had didn't bring that imbalance back to center? What was happening that you stayed chronically out of balance of your doshas that allowed your mind's imbalance and your body's imbalance to be such that you had this disease set into your body? Permanently, which we call Asadbiya diseases.
0: So, Bhasmati, this raises a question. This raises an issue of uh, validation, because if if each human being is unique, which I think the Western also uh, agrees, uh, when you look at the uh, cardiac signature, whether you look at fingerprint, whether you look at DNA, uh, there is the uniqueness of the body. So, if every person is unique. And the situation that a person is facing cannot be sort of characterized as okay, type one diabetes or some very generic thing. So there are as many uh, diagnoses as there are individuals. And it's so personalized, so individualized. Uh, how do you validate such a system which is so customized uh, when you, you cannot do a clinical trial and say, okay, we, we did this on 200 people who were between this age and that age and this thing worked 80% of the time. It's not like that. How do you avoid quackery? Because in any system, there's going to be some brilliant people and there's going to be some quacks. So you, you want some checks and balances to uh, so that you assure the public that this person is under a certain standard. And, and how, do you, how do you create standards of quality? and and validation in a situation like this?
1: It's a really good question. But I have to say that the idea of quackery is not countered by an RCT, a a clinical trial. There are plenty of people who take clinical trials and they are quacks. We just saw what happened in the Lancet in the New England Journal. And we've seen this with the cholesterol studies. And we've seen this with the osteoarthritis studies and Vioxx. We've seen lots of medicines go through where there was a clinical trial and where they backtracked and they used the structure that they had to pass through. And they were very clever and they were quacks. I will also tell you that I have plenty of friends in modern medicine who mess up. I am part of a group on WhatsApp that is composed of doctors who have been talking since February about COVID and how they were treating patients. And I am very sad to say how they knew they were incompetent. Everyone else knew they were incompetent. They didn't have the skill sets, but they just had to keep going. Is that quackery? Is that quackery when you're not competent and you're pretty sure you're not competent and you're practicing using medicines that you're pretty sure don't work, using instruments that are not the right instruments? Doctors knew very early on the ventilators are not the solution. Doctors knew very early on that there's something going on with the blood. Is it quackery that you don't intervene there? Doctors know very early on when a patient has cancer that they need to do certain interventions and they don't do them, why? because they want to enroll them in a clinical study for which they have, you know, great incentives. Is that quackery? I can talk to you about 20 incidences of quackery with case studies where doctors are using tests which are objective tests whether they're scans or blood tests to make patients have or appear to have certain diagnoses so that they can do certain procedures. There are plenty of places where people have blood tests or scans and the uh, doctor is incentivized to do a procedure and will continue taking the patient down that path. Is that quackery? Those reports have been written up in various journals, but in Ayurveda, why do we focus on that? Why don't we look at the competent Ayurvedic doctors that take incurable diseases, and turn them around
0: there are quacks in all systems there are many many western quacks i've had some experiences with them
1: have you heard have you heard of the n equals one studies n equals one is where you take a statistical improbability of a patient getting better according to modern medicine they say this is impossible to cure now you give them to ayurveda ayurveda takes them through the steps that ayurveda needs to take sometimes it's panchakarma sometimes it's basmas sometimes it's a series of special herbs and the person is cured from that disease by all modern parameters. Those N equals one cases are abundant. Why don't we see that as a gold standard for uh, proof rather than using the randomized clinical trial?